Hey there, and welcome back to Take One, the podcast that brings you just one timely page of Talmud every day. Usually, we turn to the Talmud for timeless wisdom, for the eternal teachings of our ancestors. But sometimes we are startled to find in these ever-relevant pages a note, a discussion that feels a little bit too painfully current. Reading today's page, Yoma 83, I found the following passage. Have a listen. Similarly, with regard to one upon whom a rock slide fell and there is uncertainty whether he is there under the debris or whether he is not there, and there is uncertainty whether he is still alive or whether he is dead, and there is uncertainty whether the person under the debris is a Gentile or whether he is a Jew, one clears the pile from atop him. One may perform any action necessary to rescue him from beneath the debris. If they found him alive after beginning to clear the debris, they continue to clear the pile until they can extricate him. And if they found him dead, they should leave him, since one may not desecrate Shabbat to preserve the dignity of the dead. This, of course, brings to mind the terrible disaster in Surfside, Miami. And it is my pleasure to welcome to the show my colleague at Tablet Magazine, senior writer Armin Rosen, who is now in Surfside. Hey, Armin. How's it going, Liel? That's in today's Daf Yomi page? Indeed it is. Unbelievable. Now tell me, you arrived in Miami shortly after the grim news broke out. What did you see there? So I got here on Saturday morning, roughly about two days after Champlain Towers collapsed, but sort of at the edge of the window of people still kind of having hope of people being taken out of the rooms alive. Interestingly, this is really sort of a tragedy with no no catharsis, no single gathering point. A lot of people kind of wandering around the neighborhood confused, especially on Shabbat, really not quite knowing what to expect. Surfside is about the loveliest and most beautiful natural setting you can imagine. I've been here before. It's difficult to imagine anything, at least but horrible, happening here. And really, this this whole thing is just almost like a total inversion of reality in a, in a certain sense. But around the tower itself, there's just almost an unimaginable landscape of kind of emergency vehicles, tent cities of first responders. There's a huge dragnet of road closures, which has kind of resulted in Highway A1A being completely empty of cars, almost like a like a Israel and Yom Kippur kind of feel, especially in the more kind of Jewish ends of town. And at least here, there's sort of the, the assumption hanging in the air since I got here that probably there won't be any survivors found in the, in the wreckage. And it's a reality that's starting to kind of dawn on people in a much, much more tangible way as the days progress here. So what can you tell us about the efforts of the community to start transitioning from rescue operations to sort of aftermath of a disaster, offering comfort, solace to those who need it most? What is it that you're seeing? Well, the, the Jewish community sort of snapped into action almost immediately. I spoke with a solid doctor. He's actually also a lieutenant commander in the Marine Corps and like a, a firm Jew, fascinating guy. He got to the site at about 6 a.m. on Thursday. He didn't leave until early in the morning on Saturday. You know, there's no consideration of, of stopping. Well, I mean, I guess continuing to work would be a way of observing Shabbos in this case. But the rules, you know, no question of the rules being suspended. At the uh, Surfside Community Center, there's mountains of kosher food. There's a kitchen at the community center that happened to own a kosher kitchen. And there's a local restaurant handing out sandwiches pretty much around the clock. If you go inside the shul, the Ball Harbor shul, which is sort of a Chabad mega shul in Ball Harbor, 
they have sort of an extension that's under construction right now. And in one of the unfinished sort of large halls, I mean, it looks like a Costco or pallets of food, pallets of clothing. Interestingly, the, the warehouse kind of fills up. You know, when I was there on Shabbat, it was almost completely full. It was just mountains of stuff. When I came back less than 24 hours later, all the stuff was gone and sort of a new round of stuff had replaced it. I mean, there are volunteers just everywhere. There are herds of therapy dogs kind of wandering the streets looking for people to comfort. There are people who are just not even connected to any organization who are just handing out bottles of water. But the Jewish community has been, I mean, again, it's uh, the major institutions in this part of town are Jewish institutions. And that's where that's where people have really turned. There was an incredibly moving uh, minute service yesterday afternoon at the shul where Nachman Shai, who's the diaspora affairs minister of the new government of Israel, not just spoke, he actually read Torah, which he told me he had never done before in his entire life. Amazing. <laughs> and at the end, of course, there was a fast day, there was a Torah reading. Rabbi Shalom Lipster, who is the mastermind of the whole, basically built the shul from the ground up. Remarkable guy. He actually almost died of COVID last year. He spent about five hours kind of at the site of the building collapse early Thursday morning. He called family members of people who are still missing up to the beam that opened the Ark for a and volcano. And it, I mean, it was, it was a real, real disembodying moment for almost everybody there. And really the closest thing to catharsis that I think anybody has gotten yet. I mean, there hasn't, it's not like after the Pittsburgh shooting where there was kind of a single site where people could grieve. You know, there was a, a vigil, like more or less that same night. It was kind of a structure to things. It's really not like that. Things are moving kind of an agonizingly slow pace for everyone involved, which is not to criticize any of the first responders or anything. It's just kind of the nature of the, the disaster. So there really had not been kind of a single moment of people really, uh, you know, facing their emotions all at once, kind of until until Minsa yesterday. And again, that's a that was an opportunity provided not just by a synagogue, but by, you know, an actual sort of religious practice connected to the fast day right i mean there would have been no potato had a job in a fast day on a weekday right so it's very powerful armin rosen thank you so much for this sobering report that offers some hope in the midst of so much darkness thank you for being our guest one, one more thing that might be kind of applicable to this and maybe even to the to the tom that you just read there's been discussion of having a showmer on site of having somebody reading to him on site with the expectation that, you know, that there are still dead bodies under the pile that they haven't recovered yet. Something similar was done after the 9-11 attack. The sort of uh, Jewish legal ritual angle of this is being, being attended to in a, in a pretty sensitive way, I think. That's wonderful to know. Armin, thank you so much for being our guest. Thanks again, Rahel. This has been Take One, a production of Tablet Studios. If you enjoy this show, and I hope you do, please go and rate and review us on iTunes or whatever platform you use to listen to podcasts. Each week, we'll be releasing new episodes Monday through Friday, covering the entire weekly portion of Dafyomi. I'm your host, Leah Leibowitz, and our producers are Josh Cross, Sarah Fredman-Ader, and Robert Scarmuccia. For more information, go to tabletmag.com slash takeone, or email us at takeone at tabletmag.com. You could find us on Twitter at takeonedafyomi or join our Facebook group by searching for Take One Podcast. I hope we've made your day a little bit more Talmudic.
and we'll see you again soon. Okay.